There was music in the house, not entirely imagined. Mama was playing the spinet and singing a little like Nona, but with less exclamation than anticipation. She stopped as the clock in the front hall chimed half-past six and called her husband and daughter to supper. For the second time that day, she insisted on more fatty meats than soggy vegetables, accompanied by glazed breads and followed by sharp cheese, as well as a fruit tart layered with thick cream or a pudding made with raisins, cloves, and dates. Such a heavy meal for late in the day, but Mama believed, as many Genoese did, the digestive powers were stronger during sleep. She usually shrugged off the captain, complaining they spent too much on food. On that particular evening, she implied it wasn't enough. Tomorrow we'd dine in style with the Baron. Was it the confinement of English rain and consolation of English suppers that changed her from being a woman worried over losing her looks and lover and willing to sacrifice for both into one who wouldn't even give up a second and thicker slice of roast beef? The captain shook his head. We're not invited for eating, Juliana, but dancing and other nonsense. Then I must satisfy myself beforehand. Mama laughed as she wiped her wide mouth. Leftovers. Her hand waved over the table and landed on her daughter's arm. It seems Donata won't have much. Little bread. Cheese. Donatella struggled with three words, as if they were ten. You should have some meat. Her mother spoke so it was just between them. Or your blood will thin. Donatella's father raised another issue with his eyebrows. But, Edward, I must for my girl to understand me. She'll learn more English soon enough. Also, Lydia, dear child, why aren't you dining with us? Since we can't afford another servant, I won't have her treated like one. The captain didn't react to his wife, but vaguely smiled at the little maid who needed something to do. In his company, Lydia was deaf and dumb and lowered her eyes, perhaps reminded of her own father, lost at sea, although he still lived on it. She did glance at Donatella, who was her confidant and feeling awkward and out of place. It wasn't long since they had disembarked the cutter, bringing more mail sacks than passengers from Calais, and stumbled tired and dirty into a weeping sky and welcomed by Donatella's mother. A friendly sailor was trusted with their trunks, but not the cage purchased in Marseille, which Lydia carried until the captain met them on the pier with a thin-wheeled wagon. He covered the cat cargo with his own coat, Mama's Italian chatter compensating for his silence, as they walked to the inn where they would catch the coach to London. A snowy stag on the White Hart's whining sign encouraged him to finally say something, if only to quickly explain and wait for his wife to translate that heart was an ancient term for a mature male deer. There wasn't time to explore the castle, presiding in falling clouds behind the town, but at least it was more distinct than on its chalky pedestal in a foggy first view from the channel. A few hours were enough to have an early dinner under low-timbered ceilings and near a brass-laden fireplace. Mama devouring half a roasted chicken and a glass of port wine, the captain savoring a minced meat pie and kegged ale. 
Donatella and Lydia shared a platter of steamed oysters with the cats and each other, as though they hadn't had enough of the sea. If they had known how estranged they would soon be from it,